Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. I'm a mess. I'm such a wreck. Hey Geekscapists, with Valentine's Day around the corner, we've decided to hook you up. Geekscape has partnered with the video dating app FilterOff to bring you a free and fun video speed dating event on Saturday, February 13th. To take part, all you've got to do is download the FilterOff dating app to your smartphone. Find the Geekscape event in RSVP with the code GEEKSLOVE2. That's T-O-O, because we do love to. You don't have to wait until Valentine's to use the app either. It's fun and free, and Matt Kelly has already racked up a ton of dates on it, so what have you got to lose? Download Filter Off, and we'll see you on February 13th. Geekscape forever. And welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we are celebrating Valentine's with your Palentines. We're going to talk about My Bloody Valentine, the original from 81, picked by Brian. No, man, this is like just such a great... This is just like what I said down the dreaded sundown. I'm surprised that this was never discussed before my time because this was like... I loved this movie. And it's like crazy to think about like how few horror movies like screenplays like 
homage to like horror. Like that's the whole point of it. But like, there's really not a lot of horror movie like whodunits as much as you would think there is. Well, so you are tapping onto a very like a, a deep seated discussion note that I have on this sheet of paper. So I can answer for you. Like, I think one of the reasons I can't speak for Scott on this, but one of the reasons that I think we never talked about this movie was twofold. A early on, we were very, I feel like we made it a point to not talk about hyper mainstream titles, which was dumb and not smart in a marketing stance. But the other thing is that I think it took a long time for me to really love this movie. Like, for a long time, I was like, oh, God, that movie's so fucking stupid. But I think it was because I was watching... We get shit on a lot for always talking about the kills and the gore when we do our reviews. Mm -hmm. But, like, this is a movie where if you're watching the normal theatrical release where all the gore is cut out and the kills cut just before anything happens, it's kind of a boring, bland film for the most part mm -hmm. but like this movie's brutal like this is arguably one of the most brutal slasher films that has ever been produced yeah i mean the fucking dryer scene alone yeah it's just so good it's so fucking good the thing is is that i don't even know if i got to see the un the the updated version because like everything just seems like it gets cut early for me like that's why i enjoy this movie i enjoy the fact that i mean i enjoy most of this movie i think that the very like last scene is a bit dumb and we had this conversation before we picked it or before whatever like when brian picked it i was like okay which version are we watching you know how how do I get the right version? And and I think that you guys were like, oh, there's there the this version that we're all gonna watch is the correct version. And I watched it. and I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something yeah. still. So so I did she pour out of the dryer like all scarred and then like continued to tumble? No, she pours out uh, and it immediately cuts. That's why I was yeah, like, yeah. So so the history of this movie is that nine minutes were forced to be cut out of it before it would be accepted as an R-rated movie by the MPAA. They had to keep taking it back over and over again. And the big reason for that was that this was right around the time that John Lennon was murdered and the MPA was really cracking down on violence in film. So the director of the movie has outwardly said, I have like, was like, I am not getting rid of this footage. Like, so he has kept the footage locked up for years. So when DVD started to become a thing and they were releasing these uncut versions, I think it was Lionsgate came around and said, we really want to put out an unrated version of the movie. But at the time, technology wasn't really up to snuff on getting that old footage to match. So I think Brian has the DVD. And in the DVD, when it cuts to the gore, it is like a very different, like the picture mm -hmm. quality changes dramatically. Um, and that's what I had for years. And then this past year, Scream Factory announced that they had cleaned up that footage to make it more seamless and put it on Blu-ray. So I watched the Blu-ray where you can barely even see that it's like old footage added in. It feels like more streamlined. But even that has extra shit that I don't remember ever seeing in the DVD. And he said that they still only have recovered like five of the nine minutes that were cut i know one thing that they didn't recover yeah one is like I, the I, the couple getting murdered right like they yeah, that, yeah. I, well my mine is just an assumption but i really think that the ending was a lot more gruesome because if you see through like the hole when he's crawling away his arm is ripped off and it doesn't actually show his arm getting yeah, ripped off yeah. and i feel like it 
I feel like that's one of the ones that lost. That's in the Blu-ray now. Is you get oh, close okay. ups you get close ups of the sleeve ripping apart with all the gore coming out and then God them damn. pulling out they pull out the hand and then he runs off without his arm. Fun fact, they didn't tell anybody who the killer was, but in an interview the actor who played the killer said he kind of had a suspicion he was the killer because after they cast him, they also had to cast his arm. <laughs> he's like he's like so I had a sneaking suspicion. But you brought up something Brian about Scream. How Scream paying homage to all these films, there's not that many who done it in slasher films. Really a lot of the who done it slasher films are B films that we don't really talk about because it's not mm -hmm. Jason like the first Friday the 13th a little bit of a who done it but it's a who done it that you really can't solve. Yeah. And what I've realized is that the reason I hated this movie was that I thought that the reveal of the killer was really stupid the first time I watched it. But you know, in retrospect, I realized that I was pampered because the first slasher movie I ever saw was Scream, and Scream is probably mm -hmm. the best whodunit slasher <laughs> reveal ever. And it oh, one hundred percent. And like most of them, like Scream Two is almost making fun of the fact that most of these are unsolvable whodunits that are very stupid. And like, it took me a long time to realize and appreciate that, like, oh. It doesn't matter. Like when you watch these eighty ones, it doesn't matter who did it. Like there's no. not gonna be there's not gonna be hints. There's not gonna be a logic that you follow to solve it. It's just that they take off the mask and you're like, oh dip, it was Axel. Yeah. So like I but man, the first note that I wrote as I hit play on this movie was that I genuinely, even with all the gore cutouts, like this used to be my least favorite slasher movie, and I don't understand how that could be the case because just that first shot, the very first shot of two people walking through a mine with these big minor masks, like just the look of that shot is better than most of the slasher films that I had watched <laughs> mm -hmm. at that time. Like they use the setting, they use the concept of the miner so well in this movie and used it to like really amp up the kills. And we'll get to a point where I'll run down all of the like additions especially for scott's benefit because i scott next when when it's safe for us to actually hang out i will bring the blu-ray so you can watch like the we'll just skip to all the kill scenes oh, so you can you. see them in their gory glory but what i love about this movie is uh this little factoid that they picked this spot in canada that they were going to film it because they showed up in the mines and they knew that they wanted to film in the actual mines and they were like these are old mines that are decrepit they're perfect and the city was so excited that they were filming the movie that they spent fifty thousand dollars to refurbish the mines and then the production team had to spend seventy five thousand dollars to make to the make mines look, look dirty you know, this movie is such a Canadian movie because, like, every single scene, someone is drinking a moose head. And I'm like, God damn, how much did Moosehead pay to be in this? It's so Canadian because every single time that the killer kills somebody, he says sorry about it. Ah. <laughs> yeah. There's one scene. I mean, there's a lot of scenes in this movie that make absolutely zero sense. Early in the movie, the mayor gets a box of chocolates that actually just has a human heart inside of it, right? Here's my two questions about this Question number one, he opens the box of chocolates but leaves the, like, cover over the chocolates on there after taking off the lid, which, like, A, who does that? But B, with the covers still on the chocolates, hands the box over to the sheriff and's like, do you want a chocolate? Like, why wouldn't you take, like, any human being, if you're going to offer someone Valentine's Day chocolates, you take that sleeve off and hand them the thing of chocolates. You don't make them do the work. Unless you don't want them to actually be your Valentine and you just want to, like, pretend. That's true. 
They, you just choo, choo, choose them. Hey, guys, do you feel like... So Megan and I were talking about this. We were talking about, like, tactile sensations that we got as kids from movies, especially food in movies. And we were kind of going through, like, um, like the blue milk in, in, you know, in the beginning of A New Hope, that the little, like, leaks that Aunt Veru is uh, steaming or something in their little hut... Uh, but we got talking about food in movies and like the candy corn in some Halloween movie. And I want to say it's Halloween four but the, or five, actually, but it's probably not. It's probably something when I was an actual kid. But there's there's a candy corn scene. It just gave me this expectation that there is this perfect candy corn out there instead of the fucking tripe that we have now. Because <laughs> it's just like the best candy corn. That It's just the acting, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh. And like the the peanut butter sandwich that Bastion has in NeverEnding Story. Are you talking about like, thing that I'm thinking of, because I think in cartoons, is like pizza in a cartoon. How pizza in a cartoon will never look... Like, you'll never find pizza yeah. in real life that's, like, as delightfully cheesy as, like, cartoon pizza, where it's always, like, you take a bite, and, and cheese like, is just following yeah. you from the mouth to, like, wherever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but then also, so what I'm thinking about is, like, this movie has unlocked this really weird thing, like, opening up those, you know, heart-shaped chocolate containers. I feel like Valentine's Day candy when I was, like, six, that chocolate was the most delicious scrumptious fucking magic ambrosia in your mouth and now it's like fucking don't even like chocolate i've never liked valentine's day chocolate there's never been a point in my life but like valentine's day chocolate is trash right yeah that's always been my opinion i've never had a, a golden moment where i was like "Ooh, yeah that sweet valentine's day chocolate now it's also worth noting that i will go to town on candy corn pumpkins when christmas time oh the mellow creams oh. yeah mellow creams <laughs> are the shit. I don't eat them anymore but because they have gelatin in them, but man, I miss those things. Those to me, and I know people who think that those pumpkins are the most disgusting thing that you can have at that time of the year. Wait, did, so. what about, did Brian, was that a, a grow? That was a ugh. As yeah. in you love them or hate them? I don't like them. Yeah. I don't like them. Weirdo. Do you like any candy? Look oh, at him. Yeah. <laughs> I love Oh, I love hey, pot calling the Kelly Black. <laughs> I know. Uh, but Brian, tell me tell me some candy that you do like. I'm not going to buy you any, but I just want to know. Reese's, specifically holiday Reese's. Oh, the holiday Reese's have yeah, exactly. Way more peanut butter than 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 regular ones. Anything gummy? A big Take 5 guy. Do they still make Take 5s? Yeah. Yeah, Snickers. Peanut M&M's. I actually like a lot of candy. I don't like straight chocolate. So like Hershey Kisses, Hershey Bars. Like I'm not a huge fan of like straight chocolate. What if I bought you one of those five pound Toblerones? Ah, yeah. See, I'm a gummy guy through and through. Like that's really my go to. I literally would like we have like this ice cream place and, and, and I sacrifice getting ice cream and I get like a tart instead just so I can load it with like gummy bears and gummy worms and shit like that that is the weirdest thing i've ever heard you say yeah <laughs> but i don't like i actually don't like sweets that much i was gonna say like, i'm not a like sweets I, guy i said this before like i like sugar i like gummies i'm just saying like and i feel like a broken record i feel like i said this on the podcast but like if me and jade had our perfect night like we would put on a movie and she would have like ice cream with fucking chocolate she loves chocolate ice cream and i would just have like a plate full of texas toast like that is <laughs> That is my 
snap. <laughs> I fucking love bread. Is, is what, what would be on the Texas toast? Or are you having it oh, fucking plain. dry like a heathen? Oh yeah, you have it. You have it plain. If you wait, want to wait, get wait. really plain disgusting, with do you mean literally toast with no butter on it? Oh no, like the butter five cheese stuff that goes with it. But it, but if you want to get know really what that is, I didn't Texas toast five cheese Texas toast. Dude, I didn't grow up with that. What is that? <laughs> Oh, dude, it's like frozen. It's like frozen garlic bread, pretty much. Oh, then just fucking say garlic bread, asshole. No, no, no. But it's important that it's Texas toast because it is the size of three slices of bread stacked on top of each other, but just buttered in garlic. When I get Domino's, which is often, um, (laughs) I get... I get my pizza and then I get a side of like cheesy bread, which is already loaded with like garlic. And then I, I order a side of garlic sauce. Like I could kill a vampire by burping. <laughs> the amount of garlic that I intake oh, as shit. often as I do. All right. So my bloody Valentine. One of the things that jumped out of me this watch that I hadn't thought about in a really long time is like. You know, all of these horror movies that we love and watch, these slasher films from the 80s, they all have, like, the urban legend origin story. So, like, you know, the killer is not, spoiler alert, the killer isn't actually Harry. But Harry's origin story is actually one of the more horrific, like, slasher Mm -hmm. urban legend origin stories because it's basically... This dude got trapped in a mine, had to resort to cannibalism in order to survive, and then got put in a mental institute and, like, went crazy over this and then came back and killed the people who allowed him to have to resort to cannibalism and was like, if you ever have another Valentine celebration, I will be back. It's a pretty gnarly backstory compared to just, Mm -hmm. like, they were fucking and my kid drowned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what I feel like is missing. And I'm going to sound like a fucking asshole for saying this. I feel like what might be missing from modern slashers, well, we really aren't getting a whole lot of modern slashers anymore. A lot of it is more like home invasion-y kind of, you know, like, the strangers has still kind of got its hold on people but i feel like what makes a really good slasher movie is a creative origin that is told in a flashback or told by like you know the harbinger like the the bartender in this movie and i love i absolutely love the my bloody valentine origin story i agree with you matt it's one of the best ones i don't think this is the best 80s slasher movie by a long shot i think that it's pretty absurd actually but i mean the movie itself i mean just the concept of a town that's favorite holiday is valentine's day is just very hard for me to swallow it's it's very i love for to find out that someone was like watching this movie and they're like a town that can't celebrate valentine's day that's like a town that's outlawed dancing i've got an idea (laughs) (laughs) and he ran home and he wrote footloose he didn't run home he Dance ran home. Oh, yeah, he rage danced his way back to the house. Do you want to hear all the fun kills that you missed out on on your watch, Scott? Yes, please make me feel worse about this. Okay, so Brian already mentioned the one. So the old lady falls out of the dryer, and then it cuts to a close-up of her burn-up body, and then the dryer begins to spin, and it's just throwing gore all over the room and all over the people as they're trying to shut it off. The bartender gets a pickaxe, through the lower jaw and then it cuts to a close-up as the pickaxe went through the lower jaw and out of his eyeball socket so his eye is dangling 
out mm-hmm. with the pickaxe poking out of the eye hole. The girl gets her head slammed into one of the... The spigots, right? The spigots. I, and I was turns, so pissed off that I didn't get to see that one. Yeah, so then they turned on the water and someone finds her with the water just spraying out of her mouth. Holy oh, shit. shit. And then this one I don't think I saw in the DVD. It was only in the Blu-ray. But there's that scene towards the end where the corpse comes falling down and startles all of them. Yeah. But it, it cuts to a close-up of his head completely decapitating from the wire tightening. And then it's a decapitated corpse that hits the uh, hits the ground at the bottom. Man, I missed out. Yeah, like like this movie is, you know, and it, again, like it's a nice ninety-two minutes. It's a it's a quick watch, but yeah, adding in that extra gore really makes like it keeps you attentive because like, you know, people can complain like, oh, it's all, but like at a certain point, like I don't like the Michael Myers movies half the time because it's just stabbing. You know what I mean? Like at a certain point, I'm like, all right, I've seen him get stabbed. Whatever, show me something that I never want to see in real life. But I very much like to see how someone did with practical effects. And like, yeah, that's why I like decapitations and everything. I'm like, the thing that I never want to see in real life is a head without a body without a head or a head yeah. without a body. But show me that shit in every horror movie, and I am on board. Yeah, it's gnarly, and like, it it's such a. I agree with you. Like, it's a dumb concept. Like, oh, we can't have like if you told me that we couldn't have a Valentine's Day dance, I'd be like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> I wouldn't be like you can go fuck, fuck anywhere. I'm going, like, I'm going into the mines. I'm proving a point here. Yeah, like I don't understand why they're all so horny that they can't be like, oh well, maybe we shouldn't go fuck on Valentine's and Day. And they're not teenagers. Like they're, they're no, they're like yeah. at least in their twenties. You know what I mean? And it's it's not implied that they're all living at their parents' houses. Like they they clearly have their own properties. So like yeah, there's really no point. It's like they just really want to fuck in a public space. I don't want to like, you know, kink shame, but literally, you can wait one night to have public sex until after Valentine's Day, all right, people? Yeah. Side note, like it's not like the law is like, well, public sex is a okay as long as it's on Valentine's Day, like <laughs> we don't know that. Maybe that's what the rules of the town are. That's you why know? those two supervisors were so quick to leave their post 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've always wanted to fuck inside the McDonald's parking lot. <laughs> the other thing that's weird about this movie, and it totally makes sense when I think about it, that they were, like, trying to keep even the person who was playing the killer under wraps that they were playing the killer for, for the most part, is how quick his motive is revealed. But it's revealed to only the audience and nobody else. Well, no. Sheriff says something to the mayor, or the mayor says something to the sheriff. But that's about it. Gotcha. Yeah, it's when just he's like, like it's Axel. He's like Axel. Axel's father was killed by Harry fucking years ago. Yeah. You believe this shit? I think that's the direct quote. Yeah. I yeah. Think that, I think that that's a direct quote. Good job, Brian. <laughs> yeah. But I th- I think like it's it's the fact that he watched it happen and then it cuts to the close up of that kid just under the bed sucking on his thumb covered in his yeah. dad's blood. Yeah. I mean it's fine. And then the movie crescendos with the weirdest folk song. <laughs> I think it's called like the Ballad of Harry and it's just like. A 60s folk song about the plot of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's still not as weird as having Sweet Child of Mine end your horror movie. Yeah. That that is true. According to an interview at the Terror Trap, composer Paul Zaza spoke about wanting to create a different kind of musical motif for each individual murder, as well as making the music have a drippy, damp, creepy sound to it, just like the mind setting itself. 
He also stated that the end credit song, The Ballad of Harry Warden, was written because the movie producers really wanted a song that could be a hit single on a vinyl record, but then they ran out of funding, so The Ballad of uh. Harry Warden was written instead. Most of the soundtrack has never been commercially released. <laughs> yeah, I love it. They're like, we need a big hit single. All right, the money's run out. Get a guitar and just record something. Yeah. Brian, you're killing it in 2021 with these picks so far. Keep it up. I love it. Yeah, love please, it. please try. <laughs> I'll do my best. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. What's up everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. All right, Brian, but because you picked this movie, you get to pick the first double feature. So after you finish watching My Bloody Valentine 1981, what are you putting on that? I would probably put on Prom Night, and that is just because we would watch Bloody Valentine, and you're like, man, that is such a stupid killer reveal. And I'll say, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Do I have a better one? <laughs> yeah. Hold up. Same production company, by the way. Side note. Exact same Canadian production company. They definitely didn't know how to end their movies. Yeah. They, they did the, the Brian. Yeah. Well, that's it. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> I'm going to go with Silent Night, Deadly Night. And I know that seems dumb, but because they're not the same holiday, but there's literally no other worthwhile valentine's day killer movie um valentine was really dumb we've done an episode on it already blah 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 you know like it feels to me like the killers in both are traumatized in the exact same way so and they also you know are are apparently both very brutal i have not seen the uncut version of my bloody valentine 1981 <laughs> uh yeah but I'm, I'm gonna go with silent night deadly night the original because i need any excuse to watch that movie i know that you don't really love that movie because it's kind of dark but like oh i still love it i still watch it and i'll watch it every year it's just one of those ones where the more i watch it the more i'm like man this movie's like really nihilistic 
Like, Maybe that's why I like it. Maybe I'm just becoming who I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for my double feature, I'm actually going to pick a movie that has been accused of ripping off My Bloody Valentine. But uh, I love it, and I love it because I think it is probably right up there with My, my Bloody Valentine for brutal kills in a slasher movie. I'm going with The Prowler. Oof. I know. Dude, I, I know. would pick The Prowler over My Bloody Valentine any day. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I just like the origin story and the and a little bit of the plot to My Bloody Valentine more. But the Prowler is definitely a cooler looking character, and the kills are even more insane. Well, than I mean, My it's Savini. It's Savini where they told him you have free reign, just come up with ways to kill people, and we'll write the plot around it. And he was like, "Ooh, well then I've got ideas." <laughs> like, yeah, he was <laughs> like, "I was in Nam, I got ideas." Yeah. So here's a question though: Is how can people say that the Prowler ripped off My Bloody Valentine when they literally came out the same fucking year? I know it's a weird thing. I think it's just that they're like, man, the plot line is so similar. The fact that the outfit is like not that far off. The fact that both of them have insane kills. And then like, I know that it's supposed to be like a graduation movie, but it feels like it's a Valentine's Day movie as well. Like it feels <laughs> like that's the setting. But yeah. Man, I want to do an episode on The Prowler. Oh, trust me. Yeah, if, we should. If not 2021, certainly 2022. The Prowler has been long overdue on this podcast for the last six years. Brian, what is something that you've watched or done or whatever that you want to talk about? I'm trying to make Scott proud of me. So I watched Captain America, the first Avenger. Nice. And I have Yay. it on my list to watch the Avengers because we watched WandaVision and we really enjoyed it. I will give huge credit to Disney Plus because most of the spoilers you already know anyway. So it's like, I'm not going to be shocked by any of these Marvel movies. I know the gist of what happens. So instead of me waiting like 64 hours of watching movies <laughs> to figure out what the hell's going on, they have a little clip. It's called Marvel Legends. Um, right now there's two episodes, one on Wanda and one on Vision. And it just kind of shows them in all the movies. Like it like kind of just is a seven minute storyline that like makes WandaVision make a lot more sense to someone like me that doesn't really know Marvel at all. I wondered what Marvel Legends was. Yeah. Are you enjoying WandaVision though so far? I'm glad like I know that the first two episodes were so me, but I couldn't keep that going for a long time. So I'm glad that like three and four like really got into. Oh, four was fantastic. Four uh, was a so really good. fun episode. So um, fucking good. So I just want to say I watched two really dumb things. And one of them I sent to one of the, our Facebook group friends because he has he had COVID. And he was like, you know, uh, you know, suggest movies to me. And I was like, oh, boy, I'm not going to just suggest you this movie. I'm going to send you a copy of it. I found the Generation X TV pilot with Ooh. Matt Frewer. Because, you know, we were talking about Matt Frewer. It might have been a month or so ago at this point. But, oh, man, it it, <laughs> it was disappointing when it came out. And it's even worse now. Man, that movie, I think that was like 1996 or 7 when it came out. It's like a TV movie. And so what the, the concept of Generation X was, was it was it was the New Mutants, New Mutants. Yeah. You know, you had like a bunch of cool characters. You got a bunch of new characters with different power sets, all that business. And then you have this awesome villain named Empath. Who, or M-Plate, rather, who, like, sucks the, the life force out of mutants. And what they did instead was they did, like, they ruined every character. Okay. They used, they, they, <laughs> so the, the only character that is an actual Generation X comic book character 
fr- that they brought into the movie was um, skin. His powers are completely useless in this movie. Then, then they are like, okay, well, we need to have a bunch of other really cheap effects. Hmm, let's have a girl who's super strong. And so they just have a girl who... Um, she always wears baggy clothes, and then there's one scene where you just see a bodybuilder's back when she's changing, and she's like always embarrassed about it. And then you get another guy who is just Cyclops. He has to wear All sunglasses, right. you know. And, and Matt Frewer doesn't have powers. He is just an evil scientist, and he's doing his best. Oh God, I don't even know what he's who he's trying to be, but it is so awful. It is so painfully bad. And I said it to him and I'm like, I know you feel bad, but you're going to feel worse when you watch this. And he messaged me back afterwards and was like, what the fuck were they thinking? And I'm like, I don't know. This is also when Marvel was hemorrhaging money and they had nothing. And they were trying to just do something. Yeah, so so the, that Generation X movie is super, super terrible and was worse than I remembered it. But then I also followed that up last week with another bad one. I think, I, I think it was suggested to me on Netflix. It was The Car, Road to Vengeance. Have you ever heard of The Car? Is it the 1977 movie, The Car? Yeah, it's a a. I got it. I, I have a Blu-ray. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I have the Blu-ray of the 77 No, film no, it's cause... not the original. Okay. It, it came out in like 2017 or 18 or something. My God, guys. It was like if The Asylum tried to do Rock'em Sock'em Robots, <laughs> Fast and the Furious... <laughs> Some Marvel shit, a horror movie, giant mnemonic, Matrix. <laughs> like, dude, it's it is all over the place. It is so dumb, so bad. Everybody, every character is unlikable. The movie is so long. So coming to horror I, movie night in 2027 is what you're no, saying? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm doing Priest in 2022. Oof. Yeah, that's that's my bad pick of next year. <laughs> Car Road to Vengeance. It was one of these movies that I was shocked how bad it was i was just watching it as i was falling asleep one night and i'm like wow i fell asleep and that was really dumb and then the next night i'm like i want to see how dumb it stays and it stayed dumb (laughs) Uh, all right well i don't have anything movie wise to talk about you may have heard an ad on the recent episodes of horror movie night because your boys launching a company hey my name's matt i have a company it's called we know podcasting what is we know podcasting well let's say you've always wanted to do a podcast just like you boys over here on horror movie night well you can contact us at info at we know podcasting.com or visit our website that's hopefully up at this time we know podcasting.com and we can help you out with any of your needs be it getting a logo set up getting some theme music written getting the all your feeds set up Maybe you just want to brainstorm an idea with us. You can sign us up for a a consultation or let's just say you're already doing a podcast, but you're overwhelmed by the editing. Hit us up. We'll do some editing for you. Uh, So go and check out. We know podcasting. We're happy to help you with all of your podcasting needs. All right. Thank you for that shameless self advertising. (laughs) So this week we talked about a film from 1981. That was my bloody Valentine. Well, next week we're just getting one year later and talking about a movie that was not nearly as famous as my bloody Valentine, but they both got Blu-ray releases and scream factory. So thanks to scream factory for that. Tune in and find out what they are. Bye.
So I was thinking, I was working in the kitchen and I was thinking about the Venga Boys song. Oh, we like to party. Yeah, yeah we like to party. And I was thinking about what if we did the Jordan Peele to it where it's like slowed down and creepy, kind of like they did I Got Five on it. And then it's like the Venga Bus is coming, you know, like and it's like. You know, like, it's, like I don't know how you could make it scary, but maybe it would be like a cult, and it's like everybody's happy, and it would probably be a short where everybody's happy, but their smiles are plastered on almost like the Joker gas got them, and and they're like, the Vega Buzz is coming. You know, like, it's like you can't get away. Like yeah, you can Brian, you got a project now. <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.